0: So I don't think all these defensemen are still going to be around here. Maybe not even in a week or two. But as long as they are, let's have some fun. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins currently have... Nine, count them all, nine defensemen signed to NHL contracts. And that's definitely one more than they need, maybe two more, depending on how or if they can move people. But looking aside from the possibility, Of the trade that I think we all can agree is going to be coming, I'd like to try to stack these defensemen to see if they might make some sense or what would make the most sense entering the 2022 23 season. Now, it would help and it would help a lot if we knew just one player and what his role might be with this team, and that would be Jeff Petrie. And the reason I say that is. Although Petrie's right-handed, and although Petrie's at least probably a little bit better on the right side than he is on the left, he's still really good on the left. This is a good hockey player, as I keep telling everyone, and he's good on both sides. But I'm not thinking that he'd have been acquired to be the partner to Chris Letang for a whole bunch of reasons, in addition to the lefty-righty thing. Uh, LeTang's history has tended to be one where he's paired with somebody, well, who, who is lefty, first of all, but second, who feeds off of him and reads his rushes and benefits from his own ability to start a rush with the other defenseman. It just it, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. So I'm going to start with the first pairing and make it, Latang and P.O. Joseph. And stick with me because I am not seeing, I'm not seeing that P.O. is going to instantly be a top pairing defenseman in the NHL. But I do believe, I do believe that for this team to start making some headway when it comes to instilling more youth, this is a prime opportunity to do it. But more important than that, there was a period a couple of years ago where Latang and P.O. were paired together for a preseason, and then it actually looked pretty good. They talked about it. Both of them did. Now, P.O. was going to say, what was he going to say? Boy, I really hate playing with that Latang guy. He said all the right things, but Latang didn't have to say anything of the kind, and Latang was effusive in his praise of P.O. Now, Latang also is the harshest critic within the locker room of other defensemen. Not in a lousy kind of way, but in a leader kind of way. And he might be just the right guy to get P.O. up to speed, up to NHL speed, understanding what the expectations are at this level, understanding what the expectations are of being on the top pair. Theoretically, your shutdown pair. I, I kind of like this. Presume, safely, I'd say, that Petrie will be the right-handed component to that. And then, this is where I am going to kind of take the liberty with the looming trade and say that it would be Dumoulin slash Pedersen on the left side here. Makes sense? If you think about the way the roster was structured before the recent moves, it was going to be... you know, Matheson and Marino, or Pedersen and Marino, or something like that, had Matheson stayed up on the top pairing. This way, you're putting Petrie where he belongs, and you're putting a partner there who'll probably be someone you'd comfortably fit into a top four setting. Because as we've seen with Mike Sullivan's assignments, Within games, I should say Todd Reardon, although these things get decided before a game and Reardon just basically acts on the head coach's wishes as far as ice distribution, you will always see a significant gap between the second pair and the third pair when it comes to ice time. So I'm going with Petrie and Dumoulin slash Pedersen. Is that fair? All right. Third pairing. I'll start with Jan Ruta on the right side, and that might sound like a demotion for him considering that he was Victor Hedman's partner more often than not with the Lightning, but he didn't get Hedman's ice time uh, in any way, shape, or form. Hedman was out there for all special teams and everything else, so Ruta was more the quiet, uh, keep-everything-calm type of defenseman. And the Tampa Bay coaching staff utilized him wisely and appropriately. So the Penguins didn't get him for nothing. Okay, He didn't come cheap. He's going to play. He's going to be one of your top six, and this is the place for him to be. So where does that leave us with all these other defensemen? First, I'm going to rattle them off. Ty Smith, he's the player who came from the Devils, in the Marino deal. Now, I could see a situation where they'd want to try to restructure his game. The New Jersey management lost faith in him. He was seen just as a one-way guy, and it was all offense. You can work with mobility. Reardon has done magic with guys like Ty Smith in the past, but does that mean he's a top six guy? Eh. Then you've got Mark Friedman. You've got Chad Ruweedle. Now, Friedman can play his offside. We've seen that. There are some games he plays where he actually appears to be more effective and more comfortable. He claims he sees no difference between the sides, and it, it sounds plausible. And Rue Weedle, I mean, he's almost been exclusively a right-side defenseman when he's played. He broke through into being an NHL everyday top six defenseman last season. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's always kind of felt like he's on that periphery between a, a 6 and a 7, kind of your 6.5 guy that moved into the 6 category last year. I don't mean to knock him at all. I thought he was really uh, reliable would probably be the best word for him last season. But let's say Ruta's your third guy, which he will be, and that you go with Ty Smith on the left side. A lefty who's mobile, who adds more of that youth infusion that I've been referring to. And you can use that third pairing role as a way of kind of tying the player down, anchoring them to a a more boring approach to the game, certainly when they don't have the puck. This is a lot of what Reardon was doing with Matheson. Last season, when he was in his own end, Reardon just told him, basically, don't be all that active. You know, if it's on your side, if you think there's a 50-50 puck, chances are with your skating, you can get to it first. But otherwise, don't go nuts. Don't just go helicoptering around the zone. If you do that with Smith and you get the offense that you want from him and you make sure that out of all of this group, and this is kind of important, that you've got enough You've got four defensemen who can kill penalties. Don't forget about that. This could be interesting. When we come back, J1Q. And today's J1Q comes from John Smith, who asks, So... Are they going to roll with a 22-man roster or are they going to trade someone since they're currently 2 million over the cap? You can, for anybody who doesn't know, play in the NHL with a 22-man roster. And what John's referring to there is that it's either 22 or the maximum is 23. You don't have to carry the 23rd player. Some teams choose to do that. A lot don't. The cap can determine that, as it did for the Penguins down the stretch of this past regular season. And it's done in previous seasons as well, sometimes significantly below that. And this is where I think Friedman might have a little bit of an advantage over others in that we've seen Sullivan use him sparingly, but occasionally up front. Always in an emergency, but that's how these things tend to go, and that's why you carry an extra forward and an extra defenseman. So, you know, for a game, you're obviously dressing 12 and 6, but you carry 13 and 7. I'm referring, of course, to forwards and defensemen. Add the two goalies on there, and you're at 22. Do you really need to lug the extra forward around? I, I say no. I say no. I don't I don't see the purpose to it. Wilkes-Barre is it's a 5-hour drive away, so it's not like it's around the bend, but it's also not on the other side of the planet. You can get somebody on a plane up there and you can get them here in fairly short order. Also, it remains to be seen uh if or how the NHL will approach any sort of continuing COVID adjustments to the roster, allowing teams, for example, to carry around a taxi squad as they've done in the past. But yeah, I could see 22. You know what else I can see? I'll say it again. A trade. You try this exercise that I did in the opening segment yourself. See what you end up with. You can say, hey, you're going to have Dumoulin on the second pairing and Pedersen on the third pairing. But then all the guys that you're leaving out, Ruweedle, Friedman, Smith, I, I, no, it just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't, especially not with the existing needs that remain up front. I am going to stubbornly continue to insist that this team needs to add one more forward of significant quality. Someone who could either challenge Jason Zucker at second line left wing or meaningfully add to your bottom six, meaning someone who's just a, a literal, probably, impact player on your bottom six that would give some life to that group. This player, regardless of how they're acquired, won't come cheap. You're going to need to move Petterson or Dumalin, or both, in order to make it happen. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.